When you pack shoebox gifts with Operation Christmas Child, you're sending joy and blessing children all over the world. Through your simple act of kindness, children experience the love of Jesus, are discipled through the local church, and are empowered to reach their families and communities with the good news of Jesus Christ.
take our boxes right from here to Calgary at no charge. God is so amazing. Um, so that issue, but in the process of all that, uh, we started, every once in a while, we watch a video of women distributing two boxes in these foreign countries, and they were carrying them on their heads up mountain roads, and they were had them on donkeys and elephants and boats loaded so full that you'd wonder if they were even going to stay floating. And, and uh, we look at each other and say, we think we've got it bad. <laughs> so God has been amazing. Uh, we started talking to our church families. We started talking to people who was interested. And gradually the number of shoe boxes grew to the point where
stories that uh, just really, really make you realize that uh, this is God's program. Um, a few years ago, we got uh, a letter, or a letter from uh, the headquarters that said that they had gotten a box that had uh, toys in it, but also it had diabetes equipment. And I guess it, it, I don't know whether it's Calgary, one of the, uh, they, they looked at it and thought, you know, what do we do with this? But they, their mandate was they promised that anything somebody sent, they would put it in the mix. And so uh, they went around and passed out the shoeboxes in this one little town. And there was a little boy, they were using garden hose, they were using all sorts of crazy stuff so he could get his insulin. And here was so he needed in the bottom of that box. And all of the thousands of boxes, God gave that box to him. It's just, it blows your mind. And just recently, Y'all know I'm a Gaither fan, so I was listening to online, and Bill, uh, the team went over to Africa, and so they were uh, being interviewed by uh, Franklin Graham, and uh, he said, I need to tell you a story, Bill. He said, we passed out the boxes, there was this little boy that sat in the corner, and he didn't want a box. Thank you. 
two boxes, one each, one of these. And so you, we've got pictures of women carrying mountain rolls on top of their heads, or guys strapped to their back, or, um, but one of the stories is specifically about the logo on these boxes. So listen to the videos, and then I'll say a little more. I grew up in one of the slums in the capital city, Nairobi. I am Kululu Atiyaya, I'm from Kenya. My family situation was very humbling because we had very little material possession. We hardly could afford food. And being a dark, very black boy, they were even instructed not to come to you, you know. We used to stink, you know, as kids. And maybe they thought when you say even hi to us, it was like leprosy on us. So they thought even by saying hi, they would get it. So as, as a child, I grew up seeing myself as a leper. You know, when you're bullied and you are nothing, when other kids will not even come to touch you. I am humble and I am thankful to the Lord Jesus Christ for he has preserved me. The days I used to go hungry, the days that I felt like I needed to go still, but something would tell me, hold on, hold on just a little bit longer. Everything will be okay. Everything is okay. Christmas was a, a day that, it was a day that reminded you how forgotten you are. It was a day where you felt that more than any other day. So the year 1995 is a year I can never forget. We used to have a pastor, his name was Pastor Noel. And when he was building the church, we used to work there in exchange of food. The 24th of December, he came by to my to our shack. He came with these big, three brown boxes. And as we were sleeping there, the boxes were there close to me, and Mama had instructed me not to touch them. You know, when Mama tells you not to touch something, you don't touch it. But Mama had not instructed me not to look at what I've come to know was the logo. This logo which had a, a box and these mighty wings was there, was there with me. I kept looking at it. But that logo that day made me want to be a pilot. It made me want to fly. So that night, I was up the whole night flying this plane, taking gifts to poor children like me in various corners of the world. So the next day, we went to church and I don't remember what the sermon was because my mind and my heart was back home because we would be given the gifts after the service. When my time came and I was handed my gift, I went on the side. And as I opened up, in there, there was a flashlight. And at night, as I could light my way through the slum, it made me feel like a leader. 
You see, I had a light, you know, I could see, you know, when nobody else could see, you know, because it was always very dark. So this item really lighted up my way, but it was contagious, so contagious. That light I felt in my heart. The logo was very powerful because it stuck with me. You know, here it was a boy who could not read, but I had seen something that had made me want to be something for the first time. And 14 years later, I found myself on a plane coming to United States to pursue that dream of becoming a pilot so that I could fly a plane and take gifts all over the world to share with all the poor children. As I came to States, I got a four-year degree, though I did not finish flight school. But as I went back home, things became even tougher. I could not find work. I started feeling very sorryful. As I was feeling very sorryful, I went to my mother. My mother reminded me, asked me, when you were in America, son, did you find the people who gave you the gift for Christmas, to thank them. I felt very bad because this logo had pushed me to become who I am, but I had not even taken a moment to find where that generosity, where that light that had filled me and driven me had come from. I kept remembering the, the pastor who brought the box the boxes at home. I called where he was staying and he told me, no, the people who helped you are called the Samaritan Pass. I felt a big load had been taken off my back. All I wanted to come and tell the Samaritan Pass is that how they saved my life. The influence on that box, I don't know who sent it. But yet somebody somewhere was loving me. I was curious to find that person who was loving me so much to care for me. I wanted to know, and I wanted to find those people who helped me to thank them. On behalf of the millions and millions of people which this organization has touched, either directly or indirectly, and to be given that opportunity to go and stand in the proxies of all these people. That's all I wanted to say, to say thank you, thank you. And as I have now reflected, I am so happier. That love that shared in that box was so contagious because through that love, I was able to find the greatest love that a man or human being can ever find the love from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm from Zimbabwe. It's a little country in the southern part of Africa. 
My mom was a teacher and my father worked for the newspaper company. However, we were poor because we, we never had enough to last us until the next paycheck. We had to borrow a lot. For a while, it kind of felt normal because everybody in the neighborhood didn't have enough. But we had to do it so we could eat. When my father passed away, it was very hard for me. I couldn't process it because I was young, but I knew death and that he would not come back. Even my mom, she wanted to be strong, but she lost her husband. It was really hard. The same year that my father passed away is the same year I got a box. Before Christmas, our Sunday school teacher told us there's gonna be a special day for children. The following week, I brought my sister with me. Oh, we were so excited. We dressed up, I wore my green dress, and we walked to church. All the adults started singing a song for us. It's, it's based on a, a Bible verse where Jesus said, let the children come to me. Then they called our names. She got a box, I got a box. The smell, everything was new. After I received that box, I kept going to the church. Not because of the box, but because of the love, of them giving. For the first time, everything that my mom had said about God's people love you, God loves you, and he brings things for you, was very true. I saw it firsthand. So now I pack shoe boxes. All my friends, I invite them, I encourage them to pack shoe boxes. It's a language a child as young as I was can understand. It's not just a box, it's love. It's hope, and for most children, it's the first gift they'll ever receive. It's hard to get through those videos without crying, at least for me. I was kind of evolving anyway, so. But um, it was just amazing to me to, in the process of looking for something to show here today, how many stories there were like that. Uh, if you want to look, go on to YouTube, uh, uh, type in Operation Christmas Child, and you can, there's lots and lots and lots of stories like that. So if you're interested at all, you can do that. We are, uh, this, it just overwhelms me to think that it was Kyle and got me packing two boxes and I've been doing it ever since. And of course over the years you learn that the shoe boxes are too small. But if you learn how to pack them, you know, you can get a lot of stuff in a little shoe box. And uh, so some of the things that I did, I, I we take elastic bands and you know you could if you put it around the stuffed toy, it makes it a lot smaller and you can get more in there. Um, usually try to put a drinking glass in there, but you can fill that drinking glass with crayons or minky cars or whatever. Like, my rule was there's not an empty spot in this box. You 
we have got a couple of uh, people that are backing down this year. So if God tugs at your heart and you'd like to be involved in uh, our team of Operation Christmas Child, uh, you can talk to Diane. She'd be happy to talk to you. I think we were one of the few um, areas in Alberta, at least, that had a full team for about the last what, five years, I think. Or so. Uh, so uh, it's and it's so much more helpful if if I know there's some places where there's one person operating it, and of course we can't do as much as we can. So if you want to talk to Diane, talk to her. Uh, and once again, I just say um, thank you to this church. It's it's unbelievable that you guys have stuck with us all this time. So I'm going to call Sheila up because. Um, she had, we have a certificate from, this certificate comes from uh, head office in Calgary. Uh, it's appreciation of using our church for a, a drop-off location. So you can put that up in the board, board. I see there's a couple of them there. You can probably take them down. <laughs> but, you know, we have to have some of it.
Thank you, Grace, for sharing this morning. I like the image of thinking of you cramming more love into every space of the box, uh, like you love us here. I'm going to ask if you would just reach out in front of you, in the, pu- in the chair in front of you is your communion, um, what you'll be needing. It can be a little tricky to open, so uh, remember that there's one little really thin piece and then another one to open the drink. Recently, I had the privilege of watching a movie entitled Harriet. It was about the Underground Railroad and how this a uh, woman, an abolitionist, and uh, a brave person uh, had her role in it. But a few lines in the movie made me sit up because I realized what the politicians and rescued slaves had let occur, I had also let occur in my life, but spiritually. They were discussing the need for more missions uh, to the deep south, but this time it was much further. Where the trek for Harriet had been 100 miles, now they were asking her to go 500 miles or uh, 
to the Mason-Dixon line. It was much further. And so they were planning how they could do this. And they were saying, um, well, we, this time we have to fight. This time, uh, if we're going to go that far, we're just going to have to wait for civil war. And she said, um, we can't give up and wait for war. We need to get back to work bringing slaves to freedom by train, carriage, or by food if necessary. I ain't giving up rescuing slaves because it's far. Many of you don't know slavery firsthand. You were born free. And this is where it just spoke to me. You've been free so long, you forgot what it's like. You've gotten comfortable and important. You have beautiful homes and beautiful families. You have all you think you need. But I remember, she said. And then she went on to remind them of all the horrific things they faced in slavery. Sometimes I think that can be true of us. We, we forget. I forget what I've been rescued from and your stories of what the children face and the testimony of the young man showed um, how lost without love. And uh, we had the opportunity to love through a gift and then he, in expressing thank you for that, he, he could find the love that doesn't get lost and never wears out. But for some reason... I can forget that, and I can get comfortable. And so this morning we want to remember. So we're going to turn to Colossians 1. Starting in verse 3, so Paul had written this to holy and faithful brothers and sisters, so people who knew the Lord, who knew of Christ. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that springs from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you, All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing. Just that it's been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace and its truth. I had to think, if it's not bearing fruit and it's not growing, is it because I've forgotten? Is it because I hadn't thought and really understood God's grace in its truth? You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day you have heard about, we have heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with knowledge and his will through our spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father, 
who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. Can't forget that. For he has rescued us. We were slaves. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. I had to ask myself what I had forgotten. What was it like to not know God's mercy through Christ? For many of us here, it might be all we know. For some, that is our story. We cannot really remember a time when we didn't speak his name or it wasn't heard in our homes. Of not, We can't remember a time where we didn't know Jesus loves me. For some, Christ's death and resurrection has become common. Or for some, we clearly remember, but we have forgotten the joy of being free. No longer slaves to sin. No longer a slave to fear. We are a child of God, and we need to be thankful and praise him. And that's the opportunity we have this morning during communion. Maybe what is true of me is not true of you. But I am asking this morning that God give us a realization fresh of what he has done for us, just like the snow fell so fresh yesterday and the day before. Sometimes I act like a prisoner of fear, trapped in one way or another. That's something. It might be unforgiveness or bitterness or anger. But um, that's why he came. He rescued us from that, from that dominion of darkness, whatever it is that you face. And he brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. We have redemption. And we have the forgiveness of sins. So we're going to just turn to the familiar passage in Matthew 26. And I'm going to read those words to remind us of why we are taking communion. Or uh, While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it and gave it to his disciples. Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. So this morning we're going to have uh, a song played that just helps us remember and helps bring us to uh, what a wonderful um, communion we can have with God through Christ. And uh, while that song is playing, I'd like to ask you to, to pray, to be quiet before the Lord, and if there is uh, somebody you'd like to pray with too, you can do that during that time. Then there'll be another song that plays uh, to also just help us in our worship and and our focus. And there's a last slide that um, 
is a uh, it just thanks you for coming and it's a it's a verse that kind of is will be our benediction for this morning so I'm going to ask that you um, take part in communion as as you feel you should when the song is playing
a prompter too this morning, Grace. Let's bow our heads and just be thankful. Father, I just thank you for the gift of your son. And this morning we are thankful that we can enter a communion with you through the gift of his broken body and his blood shed for us. So as we partook of it and partake of it, we just ask that you would help us remember what it was like to not know you and what it is like to know you and what a difference that makes. We thank you for your love shown for us. Amen. Amen. 